You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey, are you ready to talk sexual fantasies? Woo! Are you in a fantasy mood? Like, have, I know you're not in a great mood today. What? I'm what not are you talking about? I'm in a great mood. You're not cranky, but you, you're something that rhymes with cranky. <laughs> okay. Yes, I might have been somewhat irritable earlier today, but that phase has passed. <laughs> you moved it's, on to a new phase. I moved on to a new phase. I'm, I'm in a great mood now. Yeah, I'm in a great <laughs> you mood. You keep telling yourself that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, sexual fantasies. All right. Do you have a lot of them? No, not right now. Oh. When did you have a lot of them? What Between the ages of 12 and probably 22. Oh. Do you think it was an age thing or do you think it was a, a lack of sex thing? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was both. Probably a lot of the a lot of the first point there. Actually, no, it was the latter. It was definitely the latter. What am I talking about? Let's be real. You met me at 23. I did. That's why so I had, had a lot of fantasies before, because I didn't have that much sex. Well, you had that year in between, I guess, 22 what? to 23, where you had a lot of sex. Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, no. Super I, awkward. Yeah, right it now. is. Why I'm, so I'm kind awkward? of like stumbling over my words, because as a teenager, I fantasized a lot, did not have a lot of sex. What did you fantasize about? Um, Inanimate animate objects, the, the chair, the lamp, um, grass, wind. Hang on, you have a grass allergy. You know what? Maybe I should say, these are all the things that got me going at the time. Oh, you didn't fantasize about rubbing up against the grass? I guess I didn't about rubbing up against them. They were just things that, you know, caused me to think sexual thoughts. <laughs> so what were the sexual thoughts when you eventually got there? Um, I've always been somebody who's been more interested in fantasizing about like non-celebrity people like it was always attainable people a, a, no really it it was it was never you know people would be like oh i'd love to get with i'm gonna date myself when i start talking references are you gonna say right? carmen electra no i wasn't gonna oh, say carmen electra. i thought you were gonna say like, carmen electra. cindy crawford or like oh, you really are old yeah i know right i mean she's beautiful yeah she is but my point is is that you know friends that i was around would be like oh so and so or this movie star or that person and and for me it was like that's never going to happen why would i fantasize about that as opposed to fantasizing about somebody that i knew or somebody that i you know hang on work were, were those realistic no they weren't realistic either <laughs> but they could be more realistic in my head it was more about the the encounters that i think i had with those people i could reflect back on and that would you know kind of get the motor running yeah all right Cool. Okay. <laughs> now it's awkward for you. I am, I am feeling awkward. I kind of like the feeling of, of being awkward with you. Okay, now, to make it more awkward, what do you fantasize about now? Uh, now I fantasize about, oh, geez. I, I've had fantasies about multiple partners. I've had fantasies about just random people where there's no emotional connection where you know you don't I don't think about the build up or like meeting someone and having a conversation with them and them getting to know it's no it's just like <laughs> let's just do it you know so that's kind of do you talk that, to them do you get to know them no there's no talking okay there's is no that talking. is that a key component uh in in my in my fantasy yeah hmm. yeah it would be no talk Okay. No okay. Talking. And do you fantasize about your reaction to them or their reaction to you or is it? It would be more their reaction to me. My reaction to them would be aroused. Okay. Like I don't think about how I'm reacting. I think more about how they're reacting to me. How do, do you, you want them to react to you? Neutral? Yes, positive I, I, or negative? <laughs> indifferent. <laughs> indifferent. I'm like, meh. You know, uh, let's, okay, let's do it. Let's just, you know what? In my fantasy, they're like, let's just get this over with. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, for real though. They're they're I'm desired. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, they want me. Yeah, they want me. Sometimes the environment is is exciting. Mm. Again, I don't fantasize that much. So I'm, I'm you're putting me on the spot and I'm trying to think about what I've last perhaps fantasized about. I do fantasize about things that we have done in the past. Um, when we made that home meal kit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When we went and got the mail together. <laughs> yeah. Um, you make it out like we have a mailbox we walk to. <laughs> the mailbox is attached <laughs> to the door. When we went to get mail. Yeah, th- those are, you know, those are the things that I, I fantasize about. And, and yeah, I think really it's about being desired for me. Okay. All right. So there's research on fantasies. Not that I'm here to like psychoanalyze <laughs> you, but what, we, what we've what we found, I shouldn't say we, I wasn't a part of the finding, but what we, what the research has found is that our fantasies reflect how we're feeling. So for example, if we're feeling insecure, we may tap into fantasies that kind of boost our self-esteem. So for example, that feeling of being irresistible. I don't know if that's a part of it for you, that validation of being wanted. Uh, might be. I, I Again, I haven't really thought about it, but that's, you know, again, being wanted. Yeah. But I don't know if that's a, an insecurity that I have. Or just a... Or just a desire. Yeah, like a high five. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hold on. I'm naked in this fantasy and somebody's just high-fiving me. That's, that's the it. end of the fantasy. That's, and then, and that's the meat ends. shot. That's, that's the money shot. Well, this is not a fun fantasy for me. <laughs> I've ruined all your I'm fantasies. standing in a room now naked and somebody just high-fived and walked out. Do you remember when we saw that couple high-five in the middle of sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. That was that was pretty awesome. <laughs> that was a thing. All right. So when we're dealing with anxious attachment, we may actually tap into fantasies that are less affectionate and create more distance between a fantasy partner or even hostility. So it's interesting you said you don't want to like get to know them. You don't want to talk to them. <laughs> it's not because of hostility. <laughs> I just don't want to talk to anybody. It seems to be a recurring theme in my life right now. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody. I, I think a lot of us are dealing with just kind of emotional exhaustion. Some of us, I, I'm already feeling a little tired from socializing so much. I think you're going to say from talking to me right now and <laughs> hearing my fantasies. No, I have that fantasy too where I don't talk to someone. They just kind of do it. There's no talking. The key is there's no talking. <laughs> so I'm picking up on a no talking theme. Is this what you want from me? Present company included. <laughs> so I think that's kind of interesting. And so there, there's a researcher, Dr. Garit Birnbaum, and they are doing research on attachment styles and anxiety and how it may interact with our fantasies. Not that you have to have all of your fantasies explained, but for those of you who are perhaps in the field and are interested, you can take a Google <laughs> for is it my overactive imagination the effects of contextually activated attachment insecurity on sexual fantasies not the most sexy title but uh, if you want to dig in more to it it's in the journal of social and personal relationships and then the other interesting thing just kind of looking through the fantasy research is that our fantasies not only change with our mood obviously but also with our cycles so in menstruating folks some studies like some they're kind of small samples I just want to say but they've shown that we have more fantasies more fantasies altogether when we're ovulating and we're more likely to fantasize interestingly about men at this time as opposed to other women or genderqueer people or toys or other situations but here's what's interesting to me this is not my experience at all but the studies suggest that our fantasies become more emotional and less sexually explicit during our ovulation Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, it's more when I'm on my period, like I find I'm craving more emotional connection because I'm feeling weak and tired. Is, Is that when you want me to talk? No, no. I just want you continue to, to put to, your to hands on my back and rub deeply and 
Um, so if you want to take a look at some of those studies around ovulation, you can look for sexual fantasies and viewing times across the menstrual cycle, a diary study. So I promised we were going to talk about the most common sexual fantasies today. And I thought I would start with just what I see and what I hear. So I get to, I'm back on the road, man. I'm going back on the road from, I think, September 6th to something like October 13th. And I'm super, super excited for this because what it means is that I actually get to work with people. And I, you know, I love the clients that I work with and the groups that I work with. And one of the exercises I often do, especially in the really large groups where we can't get everyone to open up and share, is I have them draw their ultimate sexual fantasy. Oh my gosh. Mine would be so difficult to decipher. Poor fine motor skills. I have terrible fine motor skills. Me too. Me too. And I draw mine and mine always gets made fun of the most, but I don't tell them it's mine's. Because what we do is, I didn't say mine's. It sounded like mine's. I didn't say mine's. (laughs) So what we do, I got problems. (laughs) No comment. No comment. We draw our sexual fantasies and then we crunch them up into a ball and we throw them all around the room. And then a minute later, we open them up so you never know where your snowball of fantasy came from. And we just kind of pass them around. We have a laugh. We try and decipher them. And so I've I've done this with probably, I don't know, 3,000, 5,000 more. I love it. I love this exercise. I've seen you do it and it's amazing. Because people throw it at each, at each other's well, no, faces. No, because people <laughs> you can see the look on people's faces when they're trying to decipher somebody else's drawing Mm -hmm. and if you were trying to decipher my drawing you'd be like person tree ice cube it's funny you say that because mine always gets called a pony or a donkey but it's not (laughs) it's a person they're on their hands and knees okay i'm revealing i'm revealing here so anyhow i get to see all these fantasies and and then some people actually will label them in writing because you know a types they're like no i want to clearly communicate what it is i'm trying to say here so overwhelmingly the absolute top fantasy that comes up in every single group all around the world. And I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a big Western city like New York or if I'm in, you know, Beirut, it doesn't matter. Always threesomes and group sex. It is the number one fantasy I personally hear about. It's the number one fantasy we decipher in this drawing exercise. And it's the one about which people have the most questions. And if you're a listener of the podcast, you know that we have definitely talked about threesomes and how to talk about threesomes. The short version is if you're interested in threesomes, I always encourage you to get really curious about why. Like what? So for you, for example, you, you're you interested in group sex. What is it that appeals to you about it? Again, it goes back to being desired from somebody else. Um, perhaps that validation now that I'm thinking about it, something new, mm-hmm. multiple hands, multiple, you know, those are things that come to mind right away. Is there power in it? Because it's such a common depiction in porn. And there's this notion mm-hmm. that especially for like hetero men, do you fantasize just about two other women or do you have a? Uh, it So yes, it would be like multiple women. And the power thing doesn't immediately come to mind, but I'm sure that it's there subconsciously. Like I'm sure that there there is. I mean, I, I would agree. No, I'm just, I'm curious because I think people, I think so many people think they want to have threesomes or be involved in group sex because it's so commonly depicted in porn, mm-hmm. but we're not always thinking about like, okay, so what actually appeals to me about it? Like what you said really makes sense because I know you and it's that validation of being wanted. And for other people, it's the physical overwhelm. For other people, it's the taboo. For other people, especially people in couples in monogamous relationships, it's about going through something intense mm. and perhaps dangerous together. And I think that 
I don't think you have to always understand your why for everything, but I think it can be helpful with fantasies to understand your why if you're going to be communicating it to partners or a partner so that you can kind of talk about, okay, so what am I excited about? What am I hoping to get out of it? What are my concerns? What are my hesitations? What will I do if it doesn't turn out to be what I thought it might be? Because so often with threesomes, when I see couples and one is more gung-ho and keen to go from the onset and the other's a little bit perhaps more trepidatious, once they get into the scenarios, sometimes those roles switch. Get reversed, yeah. Uh-huh. And for the person who was really keen in the first place, it can feel like just like a hit to the gut that this thing that they perhaps felt they were, you know, not pressuring, but guiding their partner toward that was maybe their thing isn't actually that pleasurable for them and their partner's driving an unexpected pleasure out of it and that role reversal can be sometimes a bit of a challenge. It doesn't have to be, but for some people it really is. I would agree with that. I think, you know, some of the circumstances that I've been in, when it actually unravels, it's more unnerving (laughs) and it's, and then I'm not enjoying things as much as I think I might have thought I would. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Also, the other thing that I find just is the visual stimulation Mm. of that also is something that really... I close my eyes tight, tight. You just, you're like, I hope this is working. (laughs) I want no control. That's the other thing. Some people want to lose control. Some people want to be the center of attention and adoration. And any of those desires that underpin, you know, your interest in a threesome or in group sex, I start with threesomes because they're just more manageable, right? Like 30 toes instead of 40 toes or 50 toes or 60 toes or whatever. 62 toes. I determine all sexual experiences by you know toes in the room feet in the room and so uh yeah so that is just by far the most common one i hear about followed by kinky sex and bdsm so anything like to do with domination and submission a little bit of rough sex that one always comes up and then number three i'm kind of gonna combine this one the theme is anything that involves change, challenge, or risk. So we see a lot of drawings of sex on a beach, sex on a boat, sex on a plane, so a change of location. And then what comes up not in the drawing exercise, but in other parts of the workshop, is sex with a new partner, either a stranger or someone they know. So when you talk about sex with a random person, are you talking about someone you can actually see or imagine or envision? Or are you talking about more just scenario, I run into someone? Sorry, you said with a random person, mm-hmm. what do I vision? No, it's usually just a, a totally random person. It's like I might be walking down the street and then something will cross paths with somebody or walk by someone and then I will fantasize. I'll think about that person for a split second. Okay, so they're not made up in your mind. No, no, they're not. You don't have that no. kind of creativity. I'm not, to... no, you can't I am draw not a person, you can't imagine a person. No, not at all. <laughs> Too many donkeys if yeah. you start doing that. All right. So that yeah, that's what I I don't know, is any of that surprising to you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Always, you really? know, learning something new about, you know, top fantasies. You know, for me, thinking again about the why is really interesting. It's like, why do I want that? Like, what about that situation? And then that might take me down another road. And maybe I'll, you know, come up with another fantasy or maybe you'll come up with some other situation that, you you know, might surprise you or me in terms of a fantasy. Yeah. And it's not that I think you have to, you know, like be super analytical about it. I just think that it can help to break it down into parts. Like for example, if you want to have a threesome because you really want to be adored, right? You want to be Mm -hmm. desired and irresistible. Then you can still play with that feeling in so many other ways, even if a threesome isn't accessible to you today. And then I wanted to add, I guess, a fourth or fifth fantasy that comes up a lot in my work. And it's not in the groups that I work with. And obviously the groups I work with are 
diverse in that they are located across the world, but they're not diverse in that they are all either entrepreneurs or CEOs because they're parts of these organizations I tend to work with. So, I mean, of course, I work with different types of groups, but those are the ones that I'm most booked mm -hmm. and busy with. So the other one that comes up in emails, because I receive you know email questions and IG questions, these ones pertain specifically to swinging and cuckolding or watching a partner with someone else. So really, really common ones. And then the research actually reflects, you know, some of what I'm seeing. And it's interesting because I was looking at this, this research study and this study had around 1,100 participants, I believe. And I'm thinking, okay, so that's, you know, it's going to be probably more representative than what I'm dealing with, but I'm really dealing with volume. Right? I'm hearing from so many more people over time. But this, this study kind of dug into what are people fantasizing about? And what they found is that when they give them a list of fantasies, people have fantasized about pretty much everything. 62% fantasize about having sex in a public place. And I think this makes sense because this fantasy kind of combines the, the risk of getting caught, the potential of performing and, you know, balancing exhibitionism and voyeurism. There's the power and excitement of breaking the rules. And, and it could be anywhere. Like it could be a place where you feel really comfortable or it can be a place where you feel a sense of risk. So I think it fulfills kind of both sides of the coin. 59% have fantasized about being dominated. And some people, you know, indulge in the power exchange itself. For others, it's the, the thrill of being dominated is actually tied to escape from reality, right? Being dominated allows us to escape from life's everyday responsibilities and relinquish the pressure to perform. For me, why? Because I definitely i am super into being dominated. <laughs> Just don't want to take any more responsibility because I feel like I spend all day, every day, kind of in charge of things and making decisions. I feel like it's one either micro or significant decision after the other, not just for myself personally, for us, for my family, for different people that I, you know, feel responsible for. And so at the end of the day, I definitely love the idea of being dominated. I don't know about you. Have we talked about dominance and submission publicly? Uh, I'm not sure if we have. It's not something that I ever fantasize about. I've never, I'm, I don't know. It's just not where my mind goes. So I'm... Being submissive, you mean? Being either one. Like, I mean, I know that the dominant theme comes up when you talk about, you know, having threesome or group sex or anything like that. But I think because I'm not consciously thinking about, oh, this is one of the things that I'm looking for that, you know, makes me feel great. But I, but I, I don't ever think about a, a situation where I'm being super dominant. It's more about pleasure aspect. But I really do like the idea of going through all of these processes because I feel like each one of these, if I understand why, it's easier to start that conversation about what your fantasies are. It's like, you know, I want to feel this way in this relationship. And this is why I'm fantasizing about what I'm fantasizing. And then that way you could you maybe take that role on and fulfill that fantasy for me. Well, it's interesting that you say you don't fantasize about being dominant, but do you feel you're dominant? Like, I feel like you always are. <laughs> uh, I, Not I, outside I, the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. hold, hold on. Which one are we talking about right now? Being dominant in bed. Yeah, I feel like I, I am dominant in yeah. bed. But you don't classify it as a fantasy. That's interesting. No, I think because I'm just being kind of quote unquote myself. I'm, and so I don't see my, I don't visualize myself as being the dominant person in sex. So we're just working this out here. Yeah, yeah, clearly. It's like I'm talking myself through this. <laughs> no, me too. And I'm, so I think it's interesting though that, not that I think I'm dominant outside um, of the bedroom, but I do think there's a bit of a role reversal with us in bed. Yeah, I would agree. That allows us to escape. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, maybe not as obvious like is it obvious to you 
No, it's not. Actually, now that we're talking about it, yes, it is. <laughs> but if you hadn't brought it up, no, I wouldn't think about it that way. We should really talk more. Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> okay. What about sex with a much older partner? Do you fantasize about that? Uh, no, I don't. But I would be lying if I said I haven't thought about it like I have. Like when sure. you were young, you mean? Yeah, even not even more recently, like even, you know, five years ago, like within the last five years, I've definitely thought about that. What triggered that? I don't, I, I think it was a trip that we had where, uh, to, to desire, where somebody was just exuded confidence. And I, I really remember that as being something where I, it resonated with me. I was like, this, this woman, she's like super confident, like she owns everything. And I found it very attractive. And you associated that with her age or she just happened to be older? She happened to be older. Yeah. I mean, again, we're we're talking through and working through this right now, but I would say that that is, that was probably a trigger. That was something that kind of inspired that, that thought process, that fantasy. It's interesting, I guess, just the exposure to all these options or scenarios or people can get us out of our, not just our comfort zone, but what's been prescribed to us. Mm-hmm. Because if you just watch, say, for example, one type of porn, or if you, you know, just look at messages in mainstream popular culture, those themes don't always come out. Yes, there's like, you know, the Mrs. Robinson thing and the song, Jesse's mom, and that kind of now who's dating themselves. Yeah, really. I don't fantasize about someone older. I've never really thought about age. I mean, I fantasize about a much older person all the time. That's you because you're like 700 days older than me. But um, 41% of people have fantasized about having sex with someone much older. And I think it's interesting because I think in many ways this fantasy sort of defies cultural norms that tie beauty and sexual prowess to youth. And I think the desire to have sex with an older partner is it's really interesting like that desire to perhaps be taught or led or guided and we know that you know that genre of porn like it's called milf porn which doesn't always make sense but it is what that's what it's called is a really popular sometimes mm-hmm. the most popular <laughs> category and it's not necessarily about a mother figure but even though it's called milf porn is really about that capacity that someone can show you something perhaps that you never could have imagined. And, you know, we live in a world where senior sex is so, you know, I think it's really rendered invisible or it's mocked in Western culture, but sexual desire for an experienced partner seems to be strong, 41%. Here's an interesting one. Those who have fantasized about a partner who is much younger than themselves, but legal, like still legal, for women, it was 18%. For men, it was 57%. Do you ever think about age? No, no. Do you I, think it's because you're like kind of in the middle? I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I guess so. I haven't thought about that. But, <laughs> but yeah. still think thanks, we're younger thanks than Thanks for we are. that. Well, I, I don't know. Like it's not like you're, you're at an so, age. Sorry, I want you to talk yourself out of this. <laughs> Please continue. I'm at an Cut. age. <laughs> <laughs> you're at an age where you could date someone quite a bit younger or you could date someone quite a bit older and it wouldn't maybe feel like you're because you're kind of in that mid-range. Okay. Am I calling you middle-aged? I think think you are. I don't even know how you define middle-aged. Shall we look that up? No, I'd rather just stay oblivious. Or would you like to debate what generation you are? Brendan and I have been talking a lot about, you know, what classifies as different generations. (laughs) Sorry, what are you? A geriatric... I'm a geriatric (laughs) millennial. (laughs) Change the subject. I'm a a centenarian Gen Z. (laughs) You're an octogenarian (laughs) Gen Z. Gen Z. What am I? A Gen... What am I, Gen X? No, aren't you Gen... What am I, a boomer? Am I a boomer? (laughs) 
I know you're not a boomer. You're like Gen Y millennial cusp because you came of age around the millennium. Like you were 22, right? I was born in the 70s, yes. No, but you were 22. That's sort of that coming of age. You know what? Somebody's going to message message yeah. me about yeah. this. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Some, somebody help us. Okay. So sex with a random person, which you and I have both spoken about, about 61% of us have fantasized about that. So that's a very popular one. 56% have fantasized about having sex with a star or a well-known person. Now, that doesn't work for me. Now, I will say people can get me going. I would never... Okay, so when we watch Law & Order oh, with Benjamin Bratt... I think Bratt, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, when Mr. Bratt. I'm like, how is this man so good looking? He is a good looking man. How is... It's his skin. I want to make a skin suit out of that. <laughs> beautiful skin. Cut. There's been a lot of cuts today. Um, he, he just has such beautiful features and sometimes he wears a uh, marina. Is okay. marina a word for North Americans? It's uh, yes, it a means, tank top. Yeah, tank top. A tank top. Um, in Law and Order. Wasn't <laughs> <laughs> like the early 90s? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I would never actually fantasize. I thought you were going to say it was Lenny. I thought Lenny, no, Lenny not, Briscoe not, not was, Lenny. Your, was your guy. I would never fantasize about having sex with Benjamin Bratt because, again, I need some realism. I'm very boring and lack creativity. But just seeing him gets me excited <laughs> well, and primes me. I, I understand. Very handsome man. Yes. Very handsome. But I wouldn't fantasize about having sex with him per se. I could try. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. Okay, fine. The next time we're having sex. <laughs> Great. Do you want me to, when next time we're having sex, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Hopefully everybody knows the Law & Order uh, theme song. Okay, this one is interesting. Wearing clothing associated with the opposite sex in an erotic sense. 6.9% of women fantasize about this and 10% of men. So I, I wouldn't fantasize about, like, I wear all types of clothes. Like, I wear your clothes, I wear my clothes. So I don't see it in an erotic sense. But many people do associate items, clothing items, underwear, shoes with the erotic. And I think that's really cool. So I, I love these studies because it shows that, yeah, 6.9 to 10% doesn't sound that high. But when we're talking about 7 billion people with fantasies. Were you saying that um, the opposite gender's clothing or is it with the wearing of? This specifically is about the wearing of. Oh, because so I, like, I was... I was going to say shoes for sure. I love you and a nice pair of shoes. Yeah, but, but the you don't idea want to wear them. of me wearing them, that is not going to okay, be Okay, you would sexy not last a second in my shoes. No, I would not. <laughs> I would fall and I'd be fall down and I'd be singing the Law and Order song. Hang on, I'm starting to fall down in high heels now because we just haven't worn heels as much over the last the little while. I had to wear heels yesterday on set and I was like, "Oh, I better be really careful walking in these. I'm out of practice. I got I got to get back to it or maybe I don't. It's not good for your back, not good for your toes." Oh, here's okay. So this is an important piece. 30% of us, all genders, have fantasized about forced sex. And I actually think this number would be higher if it weren't for the self-censorship of thought. Another study actually found that the number is higher for women, closer to 50% kind of thinking about being forced into sex. And I think we often stymie our sexual thoughts because our fantasies kind of conflict with our real life values and expectations. So obviously nobody wants to be forced or raped in real life, but it's a, it's a common sexual fantasy. I'm not telling you anything new because we derive pleasure from the feelings of how, whatever you associate with being forced, whether it's submission or victimization, aggression, desire, and 
you know, this has been talked about many times before by by many people that, you know, rape fantasies aren't an indication of a mental health issue or real life desires. The mind is simply a safe space from which to explore our edgiest thoughts. And the majority of us are very capable of differentiating between thoughts, which are fantasy, and reality, which we would actually enact in behaviors. And we're able to differentiate between these two. This is why, you know, we watch fantasy movies, but we don't expect to be able to do or live those things in real life. And this is why we can fantasize and become aroused by a thought, but not seek out fulfillment of a sex act that causes harm to ourselves or others. Um, so yeah, those are some of the, the top fantasies. And I think it can be really awkward to to share fantasies right to talk about them that's why i use the drawing method in my in my classes or you could just use this podcast absolutely listen share to it this. together and laugh at my law and order fantasy right laugh at not laugh with <laughs> i think in the end we're just all really afraid of being judged and rejected and i think the drive to avoid rejection is really ingrained in our survival instincts and those feelings of rejection are really, really tough. So we, I think so many of us don't tell our partners or anybody about our fantasies. So I think it's important that we kind of start talking about them. And I guess my, we, we would, we talk to each other about clearly not everything. Clearly not enough, yes. (laughs) But when we're in bed, we, we tend to talk about fantasies, Mm -hmm. like less so at the kitchen table sort of thing. Yeah. But more, we weave out fantasies. Like, I know what some of your fantasies are, and I know how to kind of evoke the feelings. And I guess that kind of takes me to how I would begin a discussion around fantasies. I would really start with the feelings. Like, how is it that you want to feel in your fantasies? Not so much, who is it with, what are you doing? Unless you're comfortable starting there, then by all means. But if you're a little nervous, it's really like, what are you looking to feel? What helps to get you in the mood? What experiences do you associate with pleasure? What peak erotic memories do you share perhaps with a partner or partners? Um, What scenarios get you going? Because if you look at, at some of the research, there's too much to kind of cover all of it. But they begin with, you know, the fact that 90% of people fantasize with romantic feelings in their sexual relationships somewhere around I have to I'm kind of aggregating the numbers because they separated it by genders here but somewhere around 84 percent have fantasized about oral the vast majority as well have fantasized about sex in an unusual place the vast majority say that atmosphere and location are important in sexual fantasies so talking more about like the scenario um, without you know, giving away every single detail if you're not comfortable and then getting into your why, right? Why is it important? Why is it exciting? What motivates you to have sex? What motivates you in this fantasy? What meanings do you attach to it? So I think that's kind of a good place to start. Obviously, yeah, you can share this podcast. I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think that all the media we consume creates great opportunity for just starting conversations. So whether you're watching a show on a streaming service or you're reading a book or you're reading an article, I think it's a good opportunity to just talk about characters, talk about interactions, talking talk about the scenes and, and kind of how they make you feel. I think it can also really be helpful to just talk about your dreams more generally, not just the sexual ones. But if you talk about all your dreams, then when you bring up your sex dreams, it can feel a little bit weird. And I think sex dreams usually, I don't know about your experience, but the things I dream about sexually 80% of them aren't even arousing but they're just somewhere in my head mixing up yeah, I've had some weird ones recently tell me a weird no one. I'm not gonna tell you <laughs> I'm like I am not gonna tell you <laughs> wait till we turn this off <laughs> I've had some gory ones yeah I mean I've had gory ones but I'm more concerned about people judging me based on what I dreamt <laughs> well but that's the thing we dream about all these different things that are mixed together but if you can start just kind of talking about them you're likely to dream about sexual encounters that might appeal to you in some small way 
Mm -hmm. right? And I think it can be good for conversations. And then really when you have these conversations, I think it's about digging deeper than yes and no. So if I share a fantasy with you, hopefully your response is, Mm, tell me more. Right. That curiosity. Uh, You're so good at remaining curious. I'm not. I'm like, okay, what's the solution here? You're like, shh. (laughs) No talking. No talking. But yeah, I love that. Tell me more. Or even like thanking me for being open to sharing or, or letting some of that tension out by saying, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad you told me that. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if it's not something you're into, to be able to say like, whoo, like that's a lot, but I'm glad you told me that. If mm-hmm. I think that's a nice kind of way to react. But then also getting to, you know, as you said, curious, getting curious about why, like what is it appeals that appeals to you? Not yeah. why does that appeal to you in a judgy <laughs> way, <laughs> but yeah, like tell me more about what appeals to you. And then if it doesn't appeal to me, if you're a hard yes mm-hmm. and I'm a hard no, I'd like to also dig into my note mm-hmm. and say, okay, so what, let's go to threesomes because that's the most common one that we keep hearing about. You know, so a threesome really kind of scares me. It feels like it threatens the, kind of the foundation of our relationship or mm. a threesome makes me feel like maybe I'm not enough and that's hard for me to swallow. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. you have to fix things. It doesn't mean you have to get rid of that fantasy. It doesn't mean that, you know, I get to delineate all the boundaries in this relationship, but that's just how I'm feeling in this moment. And I might feel differently. Mm-hmm. in a day, in a week, in a year. And I'm open to this conversation. And I think in admitting when you don't feel uncomfortable. So if you say, you know, I want to have a, I, I have a hot fantasy of a threesome and I'm like, ooh, that feels like really rough for me. Mm-hmm. For me to say, you know, that I'm, I'm really uncomfortable with that, but I want to keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just shutting you down with kind of no way, no how, end of conversation. Yeah. So I think getting into my no, so the why of your yes, but also the why of my no. Hmm. is really, really important. So I might say, I'm afraid that you, you know, don't even want me there. You just want to have sex with someone else. Or I'm afraid that you're going to like having sex with someone else more. And and again, go deeper than that. Like, okay, so what would happen if you liked having sex more with someone else? How would that actually affect, I don't know, our love for each other, our commitment to one another, our lives together, everything we've built? Would it shake its foundation? Should I get more comfortable with that? Or is it something that just feels way too threatening to me? And also, if you're hearing the why of my no, it might change the way you feel about pursuing something. Now, I should quickly add, and I should have said this from the get-go, but if you listen to the podcast, you know I say this all the time, that just because you fantasize about something doesn't mean you want to do it. Actually, just because you fantasize, sometimes you don't want it to happen. Right. And when you think about that threesome scenario that you just mentioned, there is a lot that goes into the, you know, the the before, the during, and the after of that third person in the threesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard you talk about it. I've heard Luna talk about it, where it's like, you know, keep in mind that that that's somebody else who has needs, that has desires, that has feelings, right? Mm -hmm. So when (laughs) sometimes the fantasy for me is where I want it to stop. Because talking about it might get me, you know, really aroused. But in real life, there's just too many moving parts. So and toes. And, yeah, and toes, of course, of course. No, I'm glad you brought that up because if we are talking about threesomes, we do have to think, talk about, you know, couples privilege and unicorn hunting and this idea that like, oh, we have to prioritize our relationship and just focus on each other and we're the priorities. Well, why is that third party not mm-hmm. a priority, right? Why is that yeah. other human being not also a priority? And why are we seeing a third person with whom we want to connect in a very intimate way, at least physically intimately? Why are they seen as an automatic threat 
to the relationship, right? Mm -hmm. Like what else do we need to explore there? So I think just starting to talk about your fantasies, whether it's, you know, the age of people, having sex with someone older or having sex in a different place or doing something a little kinky or doing something a little rough or talking about multiple partners or going to a sex club or cuckolding or watching your partner with someone else, whatever it may be, or spanking, whatever your fantasies are, hopefully they just lead to rich conversations. My experience is that they inevitably lead to better sex. Agreed. All Agreed. right. We're going to stop there. You had your mouth open like you had some pearls of wisdom, but no, no, it was probably it. a burp. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I'm out of practice. Folks, thank you so much for listening, for tuning in, and big thanks to our sponsors, adamandeve.com. Please, please, please check out adamandeve.com. They have everything from latex wear to fun kinky stuff to all your vibrators and, of course, your butt plugs, even some blow-up furniture if you want you know, to try new angles and doggy style. All that jazz, adamandeve.com. Code Dr. Jess, D-R-J-E-S-S, will get you 50% off almost any single item, plus free shipping at adamandeve.com. All the goodies to get the fantasies rolling. That's right. Thank you for chatting today. Thanks for putting me on the spot. That I appreciate it. That was good for it. us. That yeah. was good for us. <laughs> Thank you for listening wherever you're at. Have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.